Welcome to the Entrepreneurial Leap Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Dubay. For context, this podcast is inspired by the book, Entrepreneurial Leap by Gino Wickman. Gino is the founder of EOS Worldwide and an author with over 2 million copies of his books sold worldwide. Now in his next phase, he is taking his passion for helping entrepreneurs by partnering with five equally passionate, successful entrepreneurs, myself included, who have created the E-Leap Academy, where we teach the content from the book in a one-year program guaranteed to increase the success of early stage businesses. Now, a quick note about me. I've been an entrepreneur since the age of 14 when I started my first business selling blow pop lollipops out of my locker with my best friend. I ran a company that I sold to a public company and later bought back. I'm an author, speaker, host of an annual leadership retreat, and I'm partners in several other businesses. I'll be your host for the Entrepreneurial Leap Podcast, where every other week, you will be hearing life stories from successful entrepreneurs who took the leap into entrepreneurship. You will learn from their mistakes and successes and be inspired as you move forward on your journey. Now, before I introduce my guest, I'm going to share with you a bit about eLeap Academy. The Entrepreneurial Leap Academy provides an immersive nine-month experience for new entrepreneurs with a focus on the three C's, clarity, competence, and community. Let's start with the first C, clarity. You will learn to be clear about who you are, what you want from your business, and how to get it. The next C, confidence. You will learn to be confident you're on the right path, equipped with powerful mindset tools. The last C, connected you will become connected to a community of entrepreneurs just like you. Now, all participants receive four full-day in-person classes led by experienced entrepreneurs to equip you with the tools and strategies necessary to build a successful business. The Academy's dynamic community connects participants with a tribe of like-minded individuals for support and networking opportunities during and between classes. Students also receive a seasoned mentor offering personalized guidance and expertise to help you navigate the challenges of entrepreneurship. To start building the business of your dreams, visit our website at e-leap Again, that's e-leap.com. There, you can learn more about and sign up for the next Entrepreneurial Leap Academy. Today's guest is Ted Kristoff, co-owner of Kristoff & Sons Floor Covering in Jackson, Michigan. Now, for context, I'd like to share some interesting things that Ted shared with me. First, his grandfather and grandmother immigrated from Macedonia in 1914 during the Balkan Wars and then fled to Ellis Island. They eventually landed in Jackson, Michigan, along with other family members and people from the village of Armanesco. They went on to start one of the first Coney Island restaurants using a unique special blend of beef herd hamburger and spices. 
Almost all of Ted's family on his dad's side were entrepreneurs and a handful on his mother's side. Ted's dad served in World War II, traveled a bit, and then settled down, opening a Coney Island pizza shop. Along the way, he started sanding floors on the side and eventually sold the restaurant and started installing floors full time. Ted's brother, Tom, grew up in this flooring business, graduated high school and started buying out their dad. Ted went to college to study business administration and in his senior year, sadly, his dad passed away. This thrust him into the family business. Ted and his brother bought out their mother and grew the business from a small four-person operation with $300,000 in annual sales to 26 employees and 6 million in annual sales. They have innovated every step of the way with their product and services, processes and procedures to grow and track their progress and increasing sales to build generational wealth for their employees and families. They are currently working on plans for succession and additional growth by expanding to other locations. Ted is such a grounded entrepreneur, and you are going to love the wisdom that he shares during our conversation. So please enjoy my chat with Ted Kristoff. Ted, welcome to the Entrepreneurial Leap Podcast. I am so grateful for your time today, and I'm super excited to talk to you. Well, thank you, Rob. I appreciate the invitation of being here. Yeah, absolutely. I always like to start the podcast with a quote. And so I'm. Uh, what I'd ask from you is just let me know what you think about it. And if you happen to know who said it, that's like a bonus, okay? Okay. <laughs> here we go. The quote is, I want our family legacy to be that we care about our community while protecting our environment. And I want future generations of my family in this community to enjoy everything that Michigan and our planet have to offer. What comes to mind? And do you know who said it? Wow, that sounds like something I might have said. That is... <laughs> you did. <laughs> Sorry to embarrass That's you. That's fantastic. That is fantastic. Uh well, I absolutely do believe that uh, a legacy is what we're here to try and achieve. Um, we have goals, of course, uh, in business, but uh, I think our family and what we leave behind with our legacy is something very important. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, yeah. uh, you know, how you entered into your entrepreneurial journey is a really interesting story. And I'm wondering if you can share every aspect of it, because you have some family history in there, et cetera. So let me hear exactly how you got into this whole thing. Well, I think, uh, I think I heard it from you that entrepreneurship isn't something that you learn. It's something that you are, uh, and it is nature versus nurture. And, uh, for <laughs> our story, my grandparents immigrated over from Macedonia, 1914, uh, that time was during uh, World War One, Balkan Wars. There was a lot of uh, emigration uh, out of Macedonia because they were being invaded by uh, the other territories of Greece and Turkey and such. So my grandparents came to Jackson, and uh, I think they landed. They came through Ellis Island and landed in Jackson because of a great train station about halfway between Detroit and Chicago. Uh, there were already some immigrants here, so they stayed. 
Um, and they opened up a Coney Island. And uh, in Jackson, our Coney Islands are a little different than everybody else's from around the, the world. Uh, it's a, a mixture of beef heart and hamburger and spices, a loose meat uh, on a hot dog with mustard and onion. And, uh, and it was a it was um, something that Jackson, our town, is very uh, proud of and very famous for, something a little different than other conies. Uh, so my grandfather, his brother-in-law, and then the typical immigrant story, they brought people over and they started uh, more restaurants. Our family since 1914 have been in the restaurant business. Uh, my aunts, my uncles, uh, cousins and second cousins and cousins, quote unquote, from the old uh, village, uh, all owned restaurants. And uh, my dad included, uh, my dad was a World War II veteran, uh, got out of the war. And I think like typical World War II vets, they didn't talk about it a lot. And I think he was a little free willed and he just traveled the world and uh, he was unmarried. Um, and then when he finally settled down, uh, he opened up a restaurant, a pizza and Coney Island restaurant. He met my mother. Uh, she had three kids and he, they got married together. They then since had two children, my brother and I. Uh, then my dad had a friend who was uh, sanding floors uh, during the day and said, I could use your help. Well, he realized he could make more money uh, sanding floors and he'd be done at the end of the day, five o'clock or six o'clock, as opposed to the restaurant business, which starts early in the morning and goes late at night. Um, so he thought, all right, I'll sell the pizza business and I'll go into flooring. And that was in the uh, 70s. And, uh, and Tom and I were born at that time. Or we remember the pizza store uh, somewhere in the early 70s because we remember going there. But my dad then uh, became a flooring installer, uh, got certified, got trained, worked for other companies and uh, made the entrepreneurial leap and uh, opened up a store. Him and my mom rented a building. Uh, bought some inventory. She sold it. He installed it. And uh, and so Christoph and Sons Floor Covering was birthed in 1979 in a little shop around the corner. Yeah. Uh, then it moved uh, to a uh, small location, but a building that my dad owned in 1984. And, uh, uh, and then my brother graduated high school in 87, and he decided he wanted to go into the family business. He was an installer. We grew up with working with our hands. I worked for my uncles in the restaurant business and uh, I always thought I'm going to own a restaurant, you know, it's glamorous, you know, uh, my uncle reminded me something out of the, you know, the, the 1950s uh, Dean uh, Martin and uh, <laughs> uh, Frank Sinatra era, you know, gold chains. And I always wanted to be like my uncle. Um, never wanted to be in the floor covering business. Never, ever. Uh, you know, was not glamorous. It's like a carpet store, but owning a restaurant is sexy. Um, so anyway, my brother decided to go to work with my dad. I went on to college. I uh, got my business administration degree at Fair State University. Um, and my brother started buying the business from my father. Uh, side note, my mom and dad got divorced during that time, yet my mom still worked there, and my mother and brother were buying the business from my father. <laughs> so that's kind of complicated, but it really isn't. Um, they just kept the business going. It's what we did. It's what we do. Just keep the business going. Uh, my dad obviously was older because he was in World War II, born in 24. So he retired early in our lives, but uh, you know, late in his life. Mm -hmm. um, and in 1992, my senior year of college, 
he passed away of a heart attack. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so that was, that was very tragic. You know, that was a struggle for us, uh, two young men. I have three half brothers and sisters, but they all had moved on and got married and got other careers, electrician and nursing and homemaker. Uh, they weren't involved in the business, but Tom and my mom, uh, knew that they needed to, they needed a partner. They really kind of did my dad. He was sort of the, the financial guy. Um, so I thought, well, I don't have a job. Uh, why not? And uh, so I finished my year, my three months, I finished my senior year and I became a partner. And I was like, I own a business. Uh, then I quickly realized, wow, what do we have? We have uh, a $700 rusted van, a rented building, and uh, um, really cheap, crappy inventory that my dad bought because it's cheap. He always wanted something cheap. Got to buy it cheap. Um, but we had a great name. Uh, and he had a very respected uh, clientele uh, know that my dad did good quality work. And, uh, and they, uh, they just bought from us. And there was, uh, of course, a lot of uh, very loyal customers as I came into the business. But the uh, first few months, uh, we didn't get paid. And uh, it was a very much an you know, eye-opening situation where we'd look and go, here's how you get paid. At the end of the week, you open up the drawer, and if there was money in it, you get to split it. If there's not, you don't get paid. Uh, and with everything on COD, we thought, this has got to change. This is not sustainable. This isn't a business. This is a job. And, uh, you know, uh, coming out of college, I did learn uh, a lot of processes and procedures. Uh, and that's what a business administration was for. I think that's my forte. I like organizing. I like, uh, um, pro um, you know, uh, putting processes and procedures together to create uh, a, a functioning organization. Well, this one needed it. And um, so my brother and my mother and I were partners. We then, within two years, my brother and I bought my mother out and she retired. And then we quickly started uh, adding employees, uh, creating processes, getting credit from our employer, our, our vendors. Uh, we organized the showroom, started marketing, started advertising, became a student of our industry. Uh, we read every magazine that was out there, every trade magazine. We went to every convention there could be. We talked to everybody else who we wanted to be like and emulated them and, and used their uh, their best practices and put them into place for us. We, uh, in 1995, a few years later, we built a building. Um, so we went from a 1200 square foot building and we built a 8,000 square foot building, which was heaven. I mean, it was just great. We'll never need another space again. It's so wonderful. Brand new building. Um, and that was a challenge too. Uh, I remember going to the bank, my brother and I, and um, getting a loan. We said, well, we need to, we need a loan for this uh, building and, and some inventory. And I remember them saying, well, if this gets approved, we stop. And like, well, what do you mean if? I mean, there is no if. There is no there is no other alternative plan here. Uh, we need the money. We're building the building. We're going to grow a business. And uh, um, and we were very disappointed with the bank that we were at. So we went to another bank and uh, and they we ended up getting uh, a loan. And uh, I think that they just took a chance on a couple of young boys. Uh, and it's paid off. And so we we added more employees. We started marketing more. So our, our sales went from, I think they, the, the hand penciled paperwork that we had from 1992, I think we did three or $400,000 in sales. And then we grew to the magic number of uh, $2 million. And, uh, and that was incredible growth. Uh, and it was in, and there was a lot of 
a lot of hard work to do that. Um, and we had some good dedicated employees. Uh, so we kept growing. We focused on a, a lot of our products, our, our, our residential products, our commercial products, and then we added more products and vendors. Uh, and then uh, jump forward to 2000, well, 2019, and uh, we had the opportunity of buying another new building right downtown. And uh, this this is the building that we're in now. It's 33,000 square feet. And uh, and it was a uh, an icon building in our town because it was a, a toy store for like 60 years. And everybody, we refer to it as the toy house. I mean, that's the way we are located at the toy house. Um, and everyone knows that. Uh, but God delivered that to us. I mean, God's just been good all steps all the way through uh, uh, our blessings of, of all these opportunities. And uh, so we got into this building um, and then we had a grand opening and COVID came and we shut down. And so that was uh, that was interesting. Um, but, you know, through faith and uh, perseverance and understanding that we've done this before, we've done overcome obstacles before, we'll just continue to push through. Uh, and grit is on the bathroom wall because that's what we do. Grit is what we do. I watched a TED talk on grit and I thought, <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's what you do. You just keep grinding and you keep pushing forward and you figure out ways. And uh, and it ended up being with COVID, uh, the construction home improvement market was flourishing because of COVID. Uh, and so we were very much a recipients of that. And then we doubled our sales. So we went from $3 million at that time to $6 million in two years. Um, and that was, a, that was a lot to manage. Oh, and yeah. Um, yeah, and so here we are now in this wonderful new showroom. And we've added kitchen cabinets and countertops and draperies and blinds. And we've added more designers and kitchen and bath remodeling and vanities and faucets and sinks and it's un, it's incredible. I don't even know where to where it stops, but it's uh it's just this train that keeps moving. But our team is so cohesive now, and uh, um the culture is so good. We started working on all the culture that we needed to build our team and to create a, a an environment that people wanted to work here. One of the things we knew with with a shortage of uh, of employees is well, if we can't grow them, uh, then and we don't like to steal them. Uh, we're going to have to create an environment that people will be attracted to us. And then, and it's happened. The phones rang and, and qualified people called us and said, I want to work here. This is a place that I want to work. And um, so we've just been blessed with good people. And, uh, and so now we're in another transition. Uh, we're looking to uh, move to the next generation um, and bring my children into the business uh, we're working on plans to buy out my brother, uh, and uh, he's not leaving, but he's going to uh, buy out his shares and bring my wife into the business, who she's been in our business for the whole time, um, but be a partner. My daughter works here, and uh, and we're looking to expand and buy another store in another town. All this is happening almost simultaneously, and it's like, I look back and think, wow, from 1200 square foot to now it's amazing journey yeah. it's just an amazing journey it's amazing what well, that's happen. all the details <laughs> that's a wonderful story i mean it's it sums it all up in terms of an entrepreneurial path and for those of uh the listeners that are also watchers on youtube 
Uh, Ted is not in his kitchen. He's in his showroom and it's beautiful. <laughs> but remember, he start, the, the, his father started by sanding floors. <laughs> yeah, and now you're right. selling kitchens and you know yes. all kinds of things. So it, the company has evolved a great deal. Now, one of the things we talk about in the book is, should I go to college or should I not go to college? And your brother didn't. He came right out of high school, yeah. but you chose to go to college. And we always like to ask, what was your thought process? And now looking back, good decision, not good decision. Oh, I think it was a good decision. Um, and I've, I am an advocate for both, uh, not only in the community, but in my family as well. Um, my brother and I both grew up in a hands-on environment. Our dad always taught us how to use power tools, how to build stuff, go ahead and try. And uh, and we worked in uh, woodworking in high school when there was woodworking, you know, and um, drafting and uh, metal classes. There were a lot of the technical trades in schools, and we were a product of that. Um, and so my brother uh, just naturally uh, was good at um, laying floors, and he uh, and some electricity, but he realized he could make a living and and why not? Uh, I always had the passion for being a manager. Um, I It's funny that I said, I, I want to own a business, but I don't want to do sales. Well, I'm not going to do sales. And uh, we don't like sales. And, uh, and that's the first thing that I am is a salesman all the time, <laughs> every day, everywhere you go, you're always selling so once you understood, because I thought selling was cold calling and and begging and swindling, you know, you think of of sales as a bad thing, a used car salesman. And I'm sorry for the used car salesmen that are out there, um, but you know, something that was negative. But we realized selling is really solving problems for people, and that I like doing. We really enjoy serving our customer. We enjoy serving the community. We serve our employees. And, uh, and that's one of our core values, you know, is service to one another. Honesty, service, and uh, efficiency is the core values of our business. And, uh, and that's everything that we do. We have to be a servant. And so we'd use servant instead of sales. We just serve the customer and solve their problems. So for me, though, I always thought I was going to work at, uh, there's a large a utility company here in Jackson, Consumers Energy at the time. And I was going to work at Consumers Energy. I was going to be on a seventh floor, whatever floor they had, and and uh, wear a suit and tie. And, uh, you know, the young Donald Trump was one of my idols. I had his picture <laughs> on my poster on my wall uh, and uh, the art of the deal. Uh, you know, I just always thought that that was my my goal. Um, and uh, when I went to college, I uh, I did gain, I think, uh, organizational skills. It's just something uh, I, I don't like disorder, and so it fit well. Um, and it worked out well that my brother needed that. Um, we work. I do sales. He does installations. He's in charge of the installers and the quality. I know how to. I, I know enough. I have done plenty of installations, but that's not my forte. Um, and so you kind of need to have both. Uh, one thing we find in all businesses, especially in floor covering businesses, is that, um, and my dad was um, typical, just because you're a good installer doesn't make you a good businessman. Um, and just because you're, uh, if you're in business, you don't necessarily have to be the technical end of what you're trying to sell. Um, so you need a partnership. Um, that's why my dad had a partner and my mom. Uh, so those two partners, my brother and I basically just retook them took the reins and, and and grew it. But I think it's a great opportunity to go to college. I think it's also a great opportunity now that the trades are becoming uh, 
prideful again. Uh, there was a time of where everyone was forced, literally forced in high school through uh, the the federal and state re- uh, guidelines that you had to be college prep ready. And not everyone was prepared for that. They go to college and they fail and they feel like failures. When you're not, you're just in the wrong environment. And we are now seeing a huge shift of people who are very talented with their hands and their minds, and they can figure out geometry, although they don't know they're doing geometry. They can figure out math. They just don't know they're doing math. And uh, and those are the people that we need, uh, the plumbers, the floor carving guys, the roofers, the drywallers, these, these construction people. Um, and they pay well. They pay very well. Um, there was always that connotation that uh, the they were secondary jobs and uh, they're not. And so we implore everyone uh, that I can when I talk to, to kids in schools and in colleges, even in colleges, because some kids are in college because they're supposed to or have to be. Uh, they may not ever even use that degree. So uh, the trades are fantastic. And I, I think they should be equally praised. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, when we're talking to these early stage entrepreneurs or people thinking about getting into business, they haven't even started yet. Our goal is to help increase their odds of success. And sometimes that means don't become an entrepreneur. It's not the path for you. Other times it's a spark that really gets them going and gives them the confidence. And you've hit on so many of the key concepts that we talk about. And there are a couple I want to reference right now, um, what we call must do's. And, you know, one of the things that you talked about was that sign in your bathroom. I think you said grit. And, you know, we say work hard, really hard. And, you know, can you just elaborate just a little bit more on what exactly does that mean? Like, what are you getting yourself into in the early stages and working hard, really hard? Yeah. Well, I can say that one of the things that uh, my brother and I have been very fortunate is that we grew up uh, as with a parent from a, the, a different generation. Uh, my dad was 46 when I was born. Um, so he came from a different generation. He was born through the Depression and went through World War II. You had to work. You had to work and work hard. That's the only way you were going to survive. And so it's just all we've ever known. We just, you never give up. No matter how hard it is, you just get up tomorrow, you go to work and you continue forward. And that really has been a key to success for us because wealth is built in small increments, one step at a time. You're never going to just, even if you did win the lottery, statistics are you're going to be broke again in five years because- you haven't built the processes of how to handle and build wealth. So wealth comes from learning how to manage yourself and your time. And uh, and then responsibility is, I think that's one of those things that we talk about as an entrepreneur, you're just built with a sense of responsibility. If I, I mean, I just, I don't play hooky. I just don't. I mean, I, I try to play golf and I'll play golf on a league but I'm just not the guy that's going to go, wow, it's really sunny out today. I can ditch this work and I'm going to go spend some time on the golf course. Um, I have to plan for those times. I, I, I plan for my vacations. I plan for my personal time. I have plenty of personal time, but my work has to get done and my customers have to get satisfied and my sales staff or my employees, uh, their needs have to be taken care of. And you just continue to grind until they're done. 
Yes. So being organized helps. Organized, holding yourself accountable. Another, of yes. this, this is one of the stages that we talk about. And, you know, I thought a lot about you, even uh, with how, much, how many years now you've been running the business, owning the business. And uh, I, I learned about the, recently, I think it was fairly recently, there was a builder show. And this goes to working hard, really hard in this holding yourself accountable. Uh, you know, you had this idea to have a, uh, a setup at the builder show with a yeah. bathtub overflowing and somebody had asked you, you know, how'd you get that? How'd you get that done or something? And you said, it was my idea. I built it myself and I delivered it myself and set it up myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I love marketing I love, yeah. and it was a great, uh, but I have the ability to get it done. I mean, yeah. I, sometimes it's a curse. You get these yeah. uh, things in your head, uh, these projects, and you just want to get them done. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, yeah, I, I move forward and that was a, that was a fun time. We still have the tub and, uh, and it was, uh, such a showstopper. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we just love to, uh, um, find new ideas. Um, you know, thinking about learning again, I was, uh, I remember, um, I wanted to say that, uh, I'm always a learner. I mean, I think that as an entrepreneur, you have to understand. I remember this one time when I was in college and was just before my dad passed away, I thought I can't wait to graduate. I am not going to read another book again. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I'm done with the homework and I'm done with books. I mean, it's been high school and college and I can't wait to get done with this and it never ends and you never want it to end. I mean, it right. was for a while there. I didn't, but you want to be a student of your industry all the time. You always need to be curious about what is going on in your marketplace and what others are doing. So, always being curious and always learning is something that uh, we yes, constantly do. Yes. So that's a way of life. And, you know, when you came back from college and became partners with your brother, Tom, and now I hear how the succession is kind of taking place and different things yeah. like that. And we talk about another must do, which is really determining whether you're a partner person or not. So, I think you're a partner person, but what do you think are the positives in it with you, with, with your partnerships mm -hmm. and what are some of the things that people should watch out for? I know that I was blessed. Uh, I, I think our story is unique because I can see and have seen many partnerships fail. Um, but I have a brother who is very close to me and I'm close to him. I read his mind. He reads mine. Uh, you know, uh, and the only person closer is my wife, you know, um, so we know each other deeply. And one thing that we had uh, similar to a good, solid marriage, which no matter whether it's rocky or not, you're never going to get divorced. You're just going to work it out. Doesn't mean it'll always be great. Same with our partnership. We've had many of fights. We've had many yelling uh, 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 arguments. We've had many walk away, storm away meetings, but we will always return and we'll always return with gratitude. And uh, so that the ability to work out your problems is something that has to be something that the two of you or the three of you agree upon. Um, family businesses create another unique struggle dynamic because sometimes you can take more liberties with a family member than you would with a non-family member. And so you have to <laughs> face those head forward and say, look, this is how we're going to treat each other. And, uh, and, and you just got to have good communication. You really do. Um, so am I a partner person? Um, 
I don't think I am. I don't think I am, but I'm a partner to my brother. Uh, you know, so I don't know if I could have any other partner yeah. uh, other than my wife. I will put that there uh, because, yeah. again, she's a very, very close. You have to be a yin and yang. Tom and I talk about this all the time. You know, you, opposites are OK. He's different than I am. Uh, he thinks differently than I do. And that's OK, because the things that he does, I need and the things I do, he needs. So I think if you're going to find a partner, um. I think that could go two ways. One, you just have to find ones that's so like you that you guys are connected, but yet uh, it's also looking for someone that can compliment you uh, is probably better because mm -hmm. for us to survive or uh, the for us to, our success has come from the fact that one in one is three or four um, because we can put uh, two together and do multiple things. Where if we were exactly the same person, we probably would both want to be the CFO. We both want to be in charge of sales or we both want to be uh, in charge of this. And there would be conflict where he don't want to be in charge of sales and I don't want to be in charge of installations and we need someone in charge of those. So yeah. that's been our strength is that we've communicated very well that mm. we know what he, our roles are and now let's execute them. Yeah, so. I love it. It's interesting. You know, you say, I'm actually not a partner person. You have a unique scenario that you have family. There's a great deal of trust and complementary skills. So it works. But maybe if you went outside of that, that might not work so well for you. So that's really great wisdom. Yeah. You know, we talk about these eight critical mistakes that we ask entrepreneurs to walk, uh, watch out for. And one of them that I want to touch on with you is not spending enough time with your people, because earlier you alluded to your core values and people wanting to be a part of this organization <laughs> that you guys have built. And so can you talk about the importance of that and kind of how you go about it so people can understand a great way to work with their people? Well, I would have to say that's a lesson that I learned of late, and uh, uh, it's certainly been one of the best lessons I've learned. I think that's uh, where we've grown so much in the last three years. Um, and maybe, you know, sometimes you just have to mature. Uh, maybe some people are just quicker to learn than others. Uh, for us, uh, it wasn't that I never spent time with our people. We always developed relationships. That's one of the assets we think of when we're, you want to work at Christoph and Sons because we we care about you. Uh, that's uh, We put our employees first and our customers second. Uh, our employees are absolutely first. But in the last few years, as we really uh, officially said, what is our culture? what is our mission? What is our purpose? And we started writing these things down instead of just doing work and cashing checks and paying bills. Uh, what is our purpose? And then we realized it's the relationships that we have. It's these relationships and we need to, we need to cultivate them. We need to, and we lost some good relationships and those were, um, those were eye openers for us. And we thought, you know why we lost that person? It wasn't because of pay and it wasn't because of, uh, you know, vacations or perks or benefits is I don't think they felt we cared. I don't know that they knew that we cared. So we now have to make sure that everyone we hire knows that we care. And so it's intentional. It's more than, um, uh, yes, we do have a well-stocked refrigerator for and snacks for our employees, right? But it's not that. It's about finding out about their kids and their lives and and praying with them when they need prayer and 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 ringing the bell. One of the things we do around here 
Uh, I stole this from a Disney Institute training. Uh, we ring a cowbell. And uh, there's something weird about this cowbell that you can't stop, but stop what you're doing. <laughs> and we we celebrate a victory. Uh, maybe somebody closed a big deal. Uh, maybe somebody's kid made a home run in the baseball last night. Uh, somebody is, uh, you know, celebrating anything, whether it's personal or business. And we ring the bell and it's like a cowbell. Everybody in the building stops what they're doing. They come around, they gather to find out what's the good news for the bell. And that has really been helpful because now you get a, the opportunity to share what's important with you. And, mm. and I just think caring for your employees is, is paramount. It's just yeah. absolute paramount uh, to having good employees. And, and you know what, they can start to care about you, uh, you know, cause we're humans. Uh, sometimes, you know, employees think that managers or owners are, um, you know, thick skinned and resilient and have no emotions. Um, this is a tough job, and uh, sometimes it becomes uh, overwhelming, and we need the support of our family and friends. And heck, I spend more time with these people here than I do with my family it's and friends, true. other than my family that works here. It's so, true. you know, good thing. Yeah, yeah and, and, and investing in your people, which is one of the things I learned about you. You know, you talk about that the staff is incredibly well-trained. They're welcoming uh, they point people in the right direction when you get in there. Everybody kind of has a certain uh, hospitality mindset. And talk about how important it is to make that kind of investment. Maybe if you have a, a, a something you could share that you do there to cultivate that. Well, uh, you know, one of the things that I knew learning from college, you know, is your unique selling proposition, right? So what makes Christoph and Sons, a floor carving store, different than any other carpet store um, and I think part of that we talked about, well, the people, well, how do we show off the people and, uh, and our building, you know, we're very proud of our building. And I think about if I were to invite you over for Thanksgiving dinner or even just dinner, right. Uh, I wouldn't just expect you to walk in the door and wander around my house and <laughs> figure out what's going on or where you put your coat. You'd be greeted. Of course you would. And so we make it very, uh, very specific uh, details about greeting people without them feeling like um, they're being swarmed by salespeople. So um, our shopper is a woman uh, that, that's our target market. And we have done a lot of research on what she feels comfortable with, the lighting, the temperature, the ability to see through the building, to be able to see the front door that she came in from wherever she's at, having wide aisles so that she doesn't feel trapped, having pleasant music, uh, the smell in the air. Uh, of course, it all smells like carpet, which is a great smell, I think. Um, <laughs> but, you know, just the sight sounds and 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 the, all the senses are are touched. And, and then we bring people into it. Uh, we're always asking questions part of our trade in floor covering to be able to even do what we do, we have to ask a lot of questions. Um, and so people just feel welcomed that we care enough to ask these questions, not knowing that we kind of have to do that anyway to do our job. But, um, you know, we're just, it just trains us to be welcoming. And, uh, and you know what, and if you show up on Friday at about three o'clock, we're going to have margarita Friday anyway. So why not turn on some music and grab a margarita? Because uh, not against the law to have a drink while you're shopping, right? That's it's like crazy. a sipping shop for wine. Uh, 
it's it's just fun. I mean, why not have fun? We're selling fun. Uh, people are, are just in, uh, enjoy what we sell, and and we just try to create a better uh, uh, mm. uh, an environment that everyone's happy and customers yeah. and employees alike. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And you know, we talk about these six essential traits of an entrepreneur. And so during our conversation, you know, I'm kind of thinking about each one of them. And Ted, I think you're going to agree as I read through them, and I'm sure the listeners yeah. will agree as well. You know, first of all, are you a visionary? And obviously the answer is yes to that. And yeah. if you've heard Ted talk about things like, I love the smell of carpet, then you know <laughs> he's passionate. And that's the second one. Passionate, I can tell. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's so many levels, so many levels. Problem solver, obviously, you've talked so much about that. Driven, I mean, you keep growing. You talk about how much you want to learn, and that's a never-ending thing, and you find it fun. Risk taker, mm -hmm. I mean, you went from 1,200 square feet, I think you said, to 8,000, now 33,000. You refurbished the toy building. I, I probably said that wrong, the, the yeah. old toy building yeah, toy in house, Jackson. Yeah. Toy house, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. really amazing. Uh, but it takes risk. You took a loan out. You had to go to a couple of banks when you were young. And then lastly, responsible, which you've taken some of what you've learned and really created structure to the business. So check all the boxes without question. Now, I wanted to ask you, because I, I sense that through your father, you know, he, he I'm imagined to a certain degree, and, and maybe your uncle and other people in your family, they were great mentors for you. So obviously, you've had some great mentors. Have you ever had a mentor outside of the family by chance? No, I haven't. Okay. And, uh, and I've tried, uh, uh, no, not an official mentor. I have started, uh, to look at some of the, uh, people in our community that I respect that have good businesses, long family businesses, uh, uh, successful businesses. I consider them successful business people. I've invited them to lunch and just said, tell me your story, similar yeah. to the, what we've done here. How can I learn from you? And it amazed me how open they are. Uh, and I thought, why would this person ever want to talk to me, right? And I just called them and said, I mean, here's who I am. Uh, you kind of know who I am because I'm on TV or on the radio. Um, <laughs> so that might help open the door a little bit. But uh, they've given me such great advice. And I take lots and lots and lots of notes. And it's funny. I've done that three to four times now, four different people, one a couple, one a couple of times. Uh, and then about every six months, I pull this file out and I just reread my notes and remember what they talked about and what their words of wisdom were. And these are people that are still respected in our community. And uh, and so I, I would say they're slightly mentors yes. uh, of mine. Yeah. But uh, it's it's amazing how uh, the impact my father had on my brother and I in the 21 short years that we had him uh, and uh, his nickname from he, when he was young was Itzo and uh, no one really knows where the origin of that is. And, um, and so as we were, uh, I have kids and, and my kids were working here, I'd say stuff, I go, well, you know what Itzo would say about that? And my, my son would pick up on it and he'd say, so he'd grab his phone. He's like, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm making a list of Itzoisms. And I said, <laughs> oh, really? He goes, yeah, I've been listening to you. And I've been writing them all down of what your dad would always say. You'd say, your dad would say, and he's got a list of almost a hundred things oh that we 
that are just things that are ingrained into us, you know, do the right thing and, and be responsible. And, and some of them are, uh, you know, not fit for television. Right. Uh, but they're still true. Uh, it was all about being responsible and moving ahead and don't blame others and do, do the right thing. And, and he just would say it in weird ways and, and we call them Itzoism. So that's kind of our language around here. You know, this is, well, what would Itzo say? And uh, so we keep his memory alive. And so I kind of think he's my mentor even after he's passed. So we, yeah. So we still use uh, everything that I've learned from him and, uh, and, and we still today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even today. And I really think, and thank you for sharing how you've reached out to people because those are mentor relationships as far as I'm concerned and as far as we would look at it. And what, you know, what was really wonderful about what you shared is how you said you just picked up the phone and asked, you'd be surprised how open people are in the community to meeting with you if you show an interest. And as you say, ask some really good questions and learn their story. And, and that then they will no doubt open up and be more than willing to help you. So, uh, and, and by the way, the way that you pull out that file every six months, a yeah. great, uh, that is a great uh, lesson for people. Bring out the notes and keep reviewing them and cement them in your mind. So thank yes. you for sharing that. That's really great. You're welcome. Okay, so uh, we're going to end here with one last question. And that is simply, what advice would you give to an early stage entrepreneur? Well, what a great segue. I would think it would be mentorship. It really would. Um, I uh, I wanted to follow up with any opportunity that I get uh, to mentor others, whether it's kids in high school, just even if it's a day speech. Um, uh, tomorrow, we've got two kids coming for uh, job shadowing. Um, any opportunity that we can get to share with our experience with one another uh, we try to do. So if I would to talk to my younger self again, I would have said, get a mentor, a real mm-hmm. mentor. I won't say a real one, but uh, someone to help guide you. Maybe it is a parent, you know, it certainly would have been Absolutely. my dad had he been alive. Um, but I, and my uncle who was also uh, my mentor also passed away right about the same time. Mm-hmm. So I lost them both. Uh, it was pretty tragic. Um, but anyway, is um, being a student, having a mentor is no different than being a student. So if you don't have the mentor, uh, I maybe you should do like my brother and I did. We used all of the, uh, the, 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 the leaders in our industry, we used them as mentors. Uh, we studied them, we questioned them. Uh, we go to your trade uh, conventions, read your trade magazines. Um, call the people who are leaders in your industry and have a cup of coffee or a Zoom meeting with them. Uh, join an organization uh, to be of like mind with one another because um, the uh, the sharing best practices is also a form of, of mentorship. Yes. So um, quit recreating the wheel. I mean, unless you're <laughs> uh, Elon Musk doing something that's never been done before, pretty much we're doing stuff that's been done before. So why not share? And you, here's an Itzoism. I'll give you one. Uh, it's really good to learn from your mistakes, but it's better to learn from other people's mistakes. <laughs> so, That's a great Itzoism. Yes, I it love is. that. I love that. <laughs> great advice for anyone in the uh, beginning stages. And I love that you came back to mentorship. I mean, at the Academy, we find it so important that we actually match the Academy member uh, group with 
uh, individual mentors, because just yes. as you say, we don't need to recreate the world uh, wheel. And certainly, uh, hearkening back to the Eatsoism, that is so good. <laughs> Ted, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so grateful for your time. It was such a joy to talk to you. What a guy. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And to all the listeners of the podcast, I'm so grateful that you've taken time to listen to Ted's story. And uh, as always, I wish you much love and gratitude. <laughs>